Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's fourth Thursday traveling the Jefferson Highway show. We love this show because we get to find out, well, basically it's about going down every rabbit hole we can <laughs> nonstop uh, driving from either Winnipeg to uh, Winnipeg, Canada to New Orleans and Louisiana or vice versa. There's so much history on this route that was actually established back in 1915 is when the Jefferson Highway Association was formed. And, you know, this highway, it goes down, like I said, Winnipeg to New Orleans and vice versa. However, at a certain point in history, kind of faded away again, but now it's back. The, the highway is back and it's being, you know, it's like a big revival and it's very exciting. And today's show, uh, like I said, we do this every fourth Thursday. We're going to talk about more women on the Jefferson Highway. We've done one show on outlaw women. Today, we're gonna to talk about suffragettes. We're gonna talk about women in politics. We're gonna talk about all kinds of women who do sociability runs. We're gonna find out what that's about. Um, but again, I wanna give the website out every time we do on this show, go to jeffersonhighway.org. That's the main website to have a look at what the highway is about, where it goes, have a look at the maps, become a member and also join uh, the association on their annual conference. And this uh, this year, it's going to be in Mason City, Iowa, and that's going to be June 7th through 10th. So uh, mark your calendars for that, especially if you're in the area or traveling around. Uh, we're going to be talking more about that on the highway, uh, on the show today. But uh, speaking of that, our first guest uh, is Roger Bell. He's on our show every month, and he is the president of the Jefferson's High Jefferson Highway Show show association i could get it straight just because we were all mm. laughing before we put the record button on that i can't pronounce anything but welcome back roger how are you <laughs> thank you lisa it's great to be back and got a great subject to talk about today so looking forward to the discussion i, I oh. think this is going to be fantastic we've got two women joining us who are authors I uh, know all about these historic ladies that we're going to be talking about. I know you've got some good stories up your sleeve, Roger, but I want to bring our first uh, special guest on the show, Janita Mullins. She's an author, a speaker, historian, and also author of The Jefferson Highway in Oklahoma. You can go to her website, janitamullins.weebly.com, and that's J-O-N-I-T-A-M-U-L-L-I-N-S just in case I don't pronounce anything correctly. But welcome to the show, Janita. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, this is oh. exciting. Now, the Jefferson Highway obviously is not, you know, unfamiliar to you. Um, it, your book uh, was named uh, Best Nonfiction Book for 2017 by the Oklahoma Writers Federation. I, I see it was got a citation of merit from the Oklahoma Historical Society. Um, so you got into writing about the highway, but it seems like you haven't stopped because you're the Jefferson Highway Association newsletter editor. So this is nonstop for you. Yes, it's ongoing. Um, I first became aware of the Jefferson Highway as called the Jefferson uh, when I was working at a museum uh, in Muskogee, and that would have been about 2002. And <laughs> Started the research then and have continued it ever since. Uh, it's a fascinating uh, highway with a lot of great history associated with it. 
So you understand what we say about rabbit holes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's just, mm -hmm. it is nonstop. Well, we're excited. I know you're going to be talking about a lady, uh, is it home to a second woman in the United States to be elected to the United States Congress? You're going to be talking about her today. That's Alice, Alice Robertson. That's fantastic. I want to bring our next guest on first, though. We've got Pat Schultz. She is the author of Amazing Women in Early Mason City, Iowa. Again, I was saying that earlier that this is going to be the location for this the Jefferson Highway Association conference this year. And uh, welcome to the show, Pat. How are you? I'm doing great. A little bit hoarse, but other than that, I am fine. Ah, oh, I know. I think I think none of us have gotten escaped from that little cough thing going around, right? Mm -hmm. um, so oh. we hope. We hope you're doing good, and and so we really appreciate you being on the show today because um, you definitely have done a lot in regards to not only writing about women's history, but you, um, I know, have been involved in writing, but also served on the board of Write on Park, a nonprofit. Right on the park. Right on the park. <laughs> Frank Lloyd writes historic park in hotel, and bank, uh, and and isn't that part of Roger? That's part of the uh, conference, right? That, that famous hotel. That is our conference headquarters. So. Ooh. Oh, cool. That's and you were you were the executive director, Pat. Yes, for a time I was, probably for about um three years and then another two years. Um oh, wow. and that's where I first got interested in the women of Mason City and this whole topic. Um, in doing the research and working on the history book about the hotel, I discovered that um, the president of the bank that wanted a new building was a woman. And this was in 1907, 1908. And wow. I was amazed. Mm -hmm. And as I researched her, I kept coming across more and more women and um, ended up writing a book about... Um, almost 50 different women in, in Mason City that were um, influential in one way or another. Wow. Awesome. I did find your book on uh, right on the park.org and everybody that's right. W R I T R W I G H T right on the park.org. If you go on there, you'll see under their product list that they, they do have Pat's book, amazing women of early Mason City. Um, when you see all these women, that's, that's quite a, that's a lot of women to write about. So that's really giving a thumbs up to Mason city. It seems that Mason city was quite progressive through history, more than what people it, on the outside of yeah. would, would understand. And especially at the time the Jefferson highway was put in, uh, it, Mason city was um, booming. Um, with the Industrial Revolution, uh, we had a packing plant, cement plants, a brick and tile company, a car manufacturer, and a sugar beet factory that had all opened. So the transportation that it provided was just invaluable. Mm. And so the lady I know you want to talk about is Carrie Clinton Lane Chapman Cat. I mean, if yes. like, her name is really that long. Like, seriously. She, um, she, she... Well, actually, yes. Uh, she used her maiden name, plus she was married twice. 
And so, yeah, it does get that long. It's just adding them on. So, yeah. That's we, a fad. Um, she was actually from uh, Charles City, Iowa, which is about 25 miles from Mason City. But she mm-hmm. came to Mason City to teach. And then she became superintendent of schools here. And that was unusual for a woman, too, in in that time period. Mm -hmm. And um, she got married while she was here. Um, And she is the one who really, really started the work of um, women's suffrage among the women of the town. Mm. When was she born? Like, Think about that. Because I know it was kind of in the 20s when she got real active. So, like, I'm trying to figure out when when we talk about for that day and age for for folks listening, um, like, what time period was she born in? Um, she was born in 1959. Yeah, 19, January. I'm looking her up now. Oh, 18, she born. 1859. Yeah, 18, I was gonna say, Lisa. Like, yeah, 1859. Just yeah, made me feel like. Listen, I'm surrounded by snow yeah. right now. I can barely see what I'm doing. January 9th, uh-huh. 1859, in Wisconsin, where we are. Um, she died in March 9th, 1947. Oh, that's a yes. she, she had a good life, huh? That that's a long life, um, yes. which is nice. But um well, yes. and after she left Mason City, um, a lot of her work was in Washington, DC and with the National Suffrage Organization. Mm. Okay. Wow. She was okay. one of the most prominent. Uh, suffrages in American history mm-hmm. and um, yes. and uh, and uh, I'm sure that um, Pat can tell us a little bit but her her uh, childhood home is now a museum very near the Jefferson Highway mm. yes yeah and, it's, and, it's open. Um, and yes and it's a wonderful uh, tribute to her um, there are um, you know, there is information for her about her um, all over because of her work with uh, suffrage. Um, she became involved in it in the late 1880s, actually, um, okay. when she joined the Iowa Women's Suffrage Association. And then she went on and um, as an outstanding speaker, she gave all over, and she became president of the National American Women's Suffrage Association. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, it's at that time, too, you've got to think about standing up, and I wonder what what the community was like. What what did the men think of her in, in the community, you know, and, actually, and the women around her? Actually, she was very well supported here. Um, mm-hmm. Highly regarded in her teaching and in her um, work uh, with the school system as a superintendent. And she would return to Mason City to speak any number of times. Mm. But um, when she came to Mason City to speak, um, there would be large, large audiences, uh, full houses in whatever venue um, they would use. And the men here were particularly um, supportive compared to men in, in some places and a good many women um, almost every woman in my book was involved in some way in the suffrage movement and um, Carrie's friends that she um, 
left behind here um, were were really instrumental. Three women from Mason City, as a matter of fact, have their names on a plaque at the uh, League of Women Voters uh, DC building as uh, three of the 24 women from Iowa who were most involved in women's suffrage work. Wow. Wow, this is oh. amazing. And you Very have cool. a actual history tour, a women's history tour in Mason City. And and does did that like come before your book or after your book or is it all part of it? How, how did that all come to be? And I mean, is this something that it's more through town or through the region that people do self-guided? It's pretty cool that they well, have that. Well, it's been mostly through right on the park uh, okay. because um, it's, I have, the, I wrote the book and did the research, but um, right on the park, paid to have it published, and they receive all of the profits. Um, they're a nonprofit organization. Nice. And so, um, you know, you buy it from them and all of the money goes to them. That's um, really nice of you. It started out uh, for our grand opening. And um, because I was I had been researching um, the woman who was president of the bank, um, we decided to have there's a ladies' parlor in the hotel, a beautiful uh, setting. And we had a ladies' tea there. And in um, three different times, and in period costume, I did a presentation on the women of Mason City. And this was well before I finished the book. And I have given presentations on the women of Mason City now to, oh, I don't even know how many groups, a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about the women's parlors, you know, we've we've gone through so many historic buildings as we travel, and there was this point where, like, the ladies' room couldn't be near a men's room. The parlor needed to be far away from the bar and hotels and things like that. Like, they really split men and women. I mean, I'm talking about, especially when where we were in the West. And yes, um, and the the ladies' parlor was on the second floor, and the gentlemen's lounge was in the basement. Mason City was supposedly a was supposedly a dry town, but um, we uh, mm-hmm. understand from rumors that have spread throughout the years that the bar down there wasn't all that dry. No, um, yeah. and it's not I dry today. Not. From what I look at on visitmasoncityiowa.com, there's no, plenty of right. fun to be had. <laughs> yes, yeah. plenty, yeah. plenty of fun to be had. But going back to the parlor. Um, and and right now I'm in the basement, but I don't have all that that you know wet stuff. But I'm in the basement and I can barely see. So I don't know. Maybe I need glasses, Nancy. But um, what I I wanted to say, you know, with the parlors, women's parlors, and women gathering together, I think there was some kind of strength in that time frame of women getting together and making. You know, it's not just sitting and drinking tea and eating bonbons. I think that never really what was what it was about. I think women got together to solve community problems, to help each other. And I think that's kind of where the, the women's club movement came from is those kind of gatherings. Yes. What, what do you think? Yes. And the women's club is still active here, but it oh, isn't wow. the same women's club that it was. No. In those years, it got a police woman. It, got, it worked to get public restrooms downtown. Um, they worked on, uh, you know, what signs could be up for advertising and 
um, you know, did a lot of work for the school districts, um, did work for the Red Cross during war years. Um, and there were a, a large number of women's clubs in Mason City. And none of them were, you know, the tea and bonbon types. They did serious study work. Um, there was a travel club. There were book clubs. There was a, a club where they discussed current events and politics. Um, I, I just, I, there were like 20 different women's clubs. I wonder, I wonder now if today if we got back to that, because Nancy and I belong to a, a women's club when we lived up in the mountains in San Diego and Julian. And um, <laughs> I, I ran the music program and started, they allowed me to do that and they allowed men in it because they were helping yeah. me put on concerts and we were raising funds for music education for the kids. And they were doing such amazing things like pennies uh, for pine trees, like there were just so many different programs, but we were, we just didn't have enough younger members. And, and I often think, you know, in that setting, there were a few like my age and a little bit more, you know, maybe five years older than me. And a lot of them were the elders of the community and they really wanted younger people in. And yet there was, mm -hmm. when we were all together, all age groups, there was this teamwork. And now I wonder if we would do better in unity in this country if we had that, because it, it wasn't even, didn't get political so much, even though you could talk politics, it was about what could we do as women to make things better. Yeah. And, and that's why and, I kind of wish we still had these women's clubs yeah. being strong like they used to. And that's not the case here anymore. The women's club here is pretty much a social group. I mean, they have presentations, but they're, you know, people come in and give presentations. But again, uh, I would say 85% of the members are senior citizens. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, they, they really... Um, do not do any of the kinds of activities that the women's club used to. However, mm -hmm. we did just have, um, we had not had, and we now just have a uh, county um, voters, uh, women voters league. And um, I'm excited about that. Mm. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And I mean, that's part of the whole suffragist movement was for women to be able to vote. You know, yes, absolutely. And, and as we see the politics and what what's going on in the states, I think this is is still a topic. Like one day it could be reversed. You never know. You, you need know to I mean? you need to hear uh, Pat's pig story. You got a oh, pig story? Yes, I do. It's and it's related. One of the women that was very active was a uh, doctor's wife in Mason City, whose name was Eleanor Stockman, and um. She was, was part of the suffrage group, and she was one of the principal leaders of it after Carrie left Mason City. And she went to a conference in Minneapolis in 1908. And at that conference, they challenged uh, every state to raise money for the national cause and to bring that money to the convention that was going to happen in 1909 in Washington, D.C., they wanted it to be something that represented the state that the woman was from or that the group was from. So she thought and thought and thought all the way home. And finally, she decided what best represent Iowa. And she said, pigs. 
okay? So she set out driving on Iowa mud roads to visit farmers to ask them to donate a market pig um, to help raise money for the women's suffrage movement. And they did. Um, She loaded them all up in a train uh, car and they painted this big suffragette sign and put it on the side of, of the train with the suffragette colors and everything. And um, the train took the livestock to uh, Chicago where it was sold. Now, some farmers uh, didn't have pigs that were ready for market and they donated corn. And she sold that at the local elevator and added that money. And then one farmer donated a litter of eight little pigs. And she auctioned those off on the main corner of downtown Mason City. Oh my God. That's so funny. It ended up when she went to DC, Iowa won second place for raising the most money because of Eleanor's pigs. And um, the banner, the banner that had been on the train was taken to the convention. And um, Eleanor got a letter from uh, one of the leaders saying that their uh, poster, their big sign from the train got more press than the whole convention did. Oh my gosh, I love this. Mm. Oh my gosh, never, and pigs are smart, see? Oh yeah, they are. Oh my gosh. They're smart and and they're cute. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love this. I love this. I love piggy. Oh, I, I wanted I wanted to go over to Danita uh, and to talk about Alice because what it tell us a little bit about her life in Oklahoma and where she was from and you know her way into you know becoming getting elected to Congress. Alice has a long association actually with the Jefferson Highway before it became the Jefferson. It was uh, known through Oklahoma as the Texas Road uh, because a lot of pioneers had traveled out of Missouri going down to get free land in Texas. And she was uh, the daughter of missionaries, the granddaughter of missionaries, two Native Americans there in Indian Territory. She was born in 1854 at this mission, which was located on the Texas Road, which would later become the Jefferson Highway. So she began her life with the Jefferson, and uh, she lived very close to the Jefferson Highway. She had a school that would have sat on the Jefferson Highway in downtown Muskogee. So there's a lot of connection there uh, between her and this highway that we are uh, trying to promote. But she had a she had an active life. Um, she was not a, a suffragette in the uh, that she was much more conservative, you know, than uh, perhaps uh, a lot of other women at that time period. But she broke a lot of glass ceilings uh, on behalf of women and and opened a lot of doors for women by things that she did in her life. Uh, Like uh, Miss Cat, she was a school teacher. Uh, She was appointed as a supervisor of schools for the Muskogee Nation, which is a Native American nation. Uh, She was appointed by... Theodore Roosevelt as the first woman to serve as a postmistress for a class A um, post office. So she was, she uh, enjoyed a lot of firsts in her life, um, broke those glass ceilings. When she was postmistress, 
she was invited to speak at a Good Roads Association meeting that was held in Muskogee in 1906. And as postmistress, she, uh, everybody expected her to talk mostly about how they needed good roads to get the mail delivered. You know, this was what she would have been concerned with was mail delivery because she was the postmistress. But she also made a very important point as she was giving her talk to the Good Roads Association. Hmm. Better roads are needed for farm women. And she talked about mental health, which nobody talked about back in oh, 1906. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And she said women, farm women suffer from depression, from isolation, from loneliness. They need better roads so they can socialize, so they can get into town, so they can meet with people instead of being stuck on the farm. Wow. And so, so this, this is, is the opposite of being the women's club. Made. Yeah, this is the opposite <laughs> of what we just talked about. Wow. Okay. Yes. So. Wow. So women. So she was advocating for women in, in her own way, not so much for the vote, but she was always advocating for women and particularly women of color. She she ran schools for girls who were Native American. She started school, a school for African-American children. Uh, we had segregation here in Oklahoma, so the schools were segregated And mm -hmm. every school that she started. She started about four schools or was involved with four schools, they were all for children of color. Mm. And uh, one of those schools became the University of Tulsa today. So she's considered a de-founder of a uh, primary, uh, very premier uh, private college uh, located here in Oklahoma. So she, she was a first in a lot of different ways. Uh, then in 1920, when women did get the vote, a group of Republican men in Muskogee came out to her farm. She lived on a farm herself mm -hmm. and approached her about running for Congress. They said, women have got the vote now. We think that uh, we could, you could win if you would run. And she was uh, chose to be a Republican because Andrew Jackson, who had forced the Indians to remove from the southeastern United States to Indian Territory, what had been a Democrat. So she could not be a Democrat because of what Andrew Jackson had done. So she was uh, a Republican. Wow. And she was in a, a heavily Democratic district. Nobody gave her a chance of winning. Because not so much because she was a woman, because everybody was a Democrat. And so she wasn't wow. expected to win, but she did. How did she advertise, she, Jonita? She, <laughs> she was, and, and this, this is interesting, you were talking about clubs and everything. She was a, a businesswoman as well as being a teacher. She had a, mm -hmm. a photography studio in oh, Muskogee, wow. and she had her farm. It was a working uh, dairy farm. And she organized a group of women, uh, business women, and uh, they would meet out at her farm because she wanted to encourage women in business. Mm -hmm. And they would meet, and she would always serve, you know, something for them to have for lunch. And they said, Alice, you are such a marvelous cook. And she'd cook for people all her life. You ought to open a mm -hmm. restaurant. So she did. She opened a little cafeteria in downtown Muskogee and used the the product from farm to table from her farm in this little restaurant that she ran. And so um, the, the newspapers in Muskogee would not support her run for Congress because they were Democratic newspapers. 
So they would not sell her advertising, would not allow her to buy an ad for her campaign. But she had a standing contract with them to run an ad for her cafeteria. And so she put an ad in every day in the paper announcing what she was serving at the cafeteria. So because she had this in a contract, they couldn't stop her. She would slip political ads into her cafeteria ads and let people know where she was speaking or what her position on a particular issue was. She got around uh, a lot of the roadblocks that the Democratic men were putting in front of her. And uh, she was elected. And uh, a lot of it was due to uh, the veterans' vote. She was very patriotic. She started the Indian Territory chapter of the DAR because of her uh, family being uh, revolutionary supporters or uh, supporters. And uh, so she was involved with a lot of ladies' um, meetings. She helped start the Red Cross in Muskogee. Wow. A lot of times the the Red Cross ladies would sit and knit socks for the soldiers. And Alice said, I cannot knit socks for the soldiers. It's too sedentary an activity for me. I'll run the canteen down at the depot. And when all the troop trains would come through Muskogee, <laughs> she and her Red Cross volunteers were down there handing out food to the soldiers as they would come through. And every one of those soldiers would get a penny postcard. She had been postmistress also, so this was important to her. She'd give every one of them a penny postcard already with a stamp on it, and she'd say, now you write Aww. your mother and let her know how oh, you're doing. And That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. I so love you, that. for years afterwards, for years afterwards, she would get postcards from these soldiers from all over the world, and she kept every mm. one of them. And so they voted wow. for her because she had shown this simple kindness of hospitality, serving mm. food. Somebody said of her what she cooked her way to Congress and fed everybody who voted for her. And oh, it was pretty smart. close to, to true. Any soldier who walked into her restaurant would eat for free. And that was just oh, her policy. Nice. So she nice. was she was elected in 1920. She was handed the mm. gavel to uh, preside over the House of Representatives in 1921. She was the first woman to ever preside over the House of Mm. Representatives. So she was breaking these glass ceilings everywhere she went and really opening a lot of doors for women. Uh, Not doing it maybe in the more radical way that some of the suffragettes did. She was very conservative and very traditional, but she made a mark for women, and she uh, she opened a lot of doors for them. And it's, you know, it's interesting to me how you know these two parts of the Jefferson Highway, and you have two interesting, very interesting mm-hmm. women here. And did they ever connect? Yes, they, they did. You know, you can find comments because they didn't. They didn't. They weren't on the same side here. You know, uh, Alice in her time did not really support uh, the suffrage movement but she was very much more conservative and uh in in this time and there you know this cat made several comments about it uh, offhand uh, about the the woman uh, down in oklahoma and uh, uh you can find some of those out there and it's just kind of it's just kind of fascinating as you go down the highway these two really fascinating women of history and uh uh, but they're they were they're a lot alike, but in a lot of ways they're not. So it's interesting. Yeah, I want to I want to go back to to Carrie Chapman Cat. Um, 
I was just seeing that she was actually on a U.S. postage stamp mm -hmm. that commemorated yeah. um, on the Wikipedia thing where it shows she, the, commemorating the Seneca Falls Convention. She was on there with Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Lucretia Mott. And we were just there like a few months, well, in summer mm -hmm. when it wasn't snowing upstate New yes. York there, and going where all these women were and standing where they stood on the corner. Mm -hmm. And it was just so like, I don't know, when you go to these places where these women were, you know, it's like they stood here, they did stuff, they stood their ground, they did what they had to do in the way they, they knew best, what was their best avenue, well, just like we're talking about. Go ahead. You know, and I want to comment on women in general here in Mason City in this time period. Um, you know, the women in my book from the same time period um, were, um, they helped found uh, the Eastern Star Home. They founded um, the um, YWCA in uh, Mason City. One owned a pharmacy and a hotel. Of course, the bank president was a woman. Um, I mean, the, the, the extent of the work that they did um, you know, I had this crazy idea that women in 1880, 1890, and on through the the um, early part of the 19th century were sitting at home cooking and cleaning and ironing and doing all that stuff. And I found out I couldn't have been further from the truth regarding mm -hmm. these local women and even the farm women. Uh, a very early pioneer here, whose name was Cornelia Cannon, lived on a farm just on the outskirts of um, Mason City. And she was an invalid and, and getting elderly. But she organized a club for farm women for the very reason that you just said, you know, the women were, were so isolated. And they um, would um, read books and talk about them. They would discuss politics. They would um, do their sewing and knitting while they talked. Um, she always started with a Bible verse. But um, the club, my mother belonged to the club. Um, long after Cornelia was dead, um, many women did. It has just recently um, dissolved because um, they all, almost all of the women who belonged when my mother did, are no longer living. My mom mm -hmm. died five years ago at age 96. So wow. you, you oh, know, that was wow. her generation. Mm -hmm. But the farm women were so appreciative of that particular uh, club from the time it was formed um, before the turn of the century up through the 1980s. Hmm. It's amazing. It's amazing. Cool. Janita, you know, this whole thing about farm women and mental health, when you were talking about Alice talking about that and getting, I mean, because today mental health is being talked about so much more than it's ever been that, I mean, even in regards to veterans, uh, military veterans and, um, you know, that need for connectivity, you know, you know, as we record this yesterday, it was um, Farm Rescuer Day, and it's a national, a newish kind of national holiday. 
actually it's today, today, sorry, as we record this. Um, and it talks about all the things that farmers go through, all the hard work and how people go in and help each other as farmers. And I think for women, that's exactly what they needed is women on the farm. If you go back even to like the Revolutionary War and, and, and the Civil War, these wars happen on battle uh, on farmlands. The, the the battles like the Civil War, like back east and Maryland and places like Nancy and I've been there, where it's like you're with your kids and then they're having mm -hmm. a fight outside your door that you normally are out, you know, feeding the pigs. <laughs> Bring up the pigs, um, you know, and then all of a sudden people are dying in front of you with your kids, and you what do you do? You know, I think women on a farm it's it's a little different than if you're out working the crops and the land you know what i mean you're in the kitchen doing that and hoping people come in at tie on time and um it it could i that could kind of drive some women up the wall actually just being in the you know what i mean it's still a and, lot and of work it, it yeah. was an issue yes it was an issue probably not very very talked about and Alice probably didn't use the term mental health, you know, but she did use the term depression. Mm -hmm. And so she had a great understanding. She, you know, she had grown up in um, in somewhat of an isolated situation on a mission uh, in a, a Native American nation. So um, she understood that isolation. It was a, a major event for the family to get to leave and go into a town uh, and socialize with other people. So uh, she understood that and certainly made the point um, that good roads will help women, these farm women, not be so isolated and lonely and will bring something brighter and better for their lives. And um, so she was always looking out for the women. Yeah, but I don't, go back to... don't uh, overgeneralize. You're doing the same thing I did, thinking about women of the period. Um, my grandmothers and great-grandmothers were out in the fields. Um, they were milking cattle. They were feeding mm. pigs. They were gathering eggs. I grew They're up doing... in an Iowa farm. And um, I married and I taught um, in a high school for 32 years. But my husband taught, but he also farmed. And um, because he, you know, had limited time, I have driven combines and tractors and wagon full and hauled corn to town. Um, and I think women have been doing those things for as long as, as they've been married to men who were farmers. And there were some women who were farmers themselves. In fact, the woman who was president of the bank in Mason City, um, before she got married, she was living with her brother and she was teaching school and she saved enough money to buy um, two farms. Hmm. It's true. Well, there are women, in, there's cool. a lot of women in history and farming. There really is, you know, yeah. when you think about it, there really is. I mean, they're now saying, we do a lot of shows on on wines, wine and, and vineyards. And, you know, it's now become this big topic of women and wine, you know? as though they've never been there, but actually they've always been there. Women have been in mm -hmm. wine. I mean, even nuns were making it way back when, you know, so mm -hmm. it's, it's, um, it is just kind of, I think it's just been, who was that, who was the face of the farm? Who was the, you know, you know what I mean? I don't think it is, 
just how it's been presented through the years is is where mm -hmm. I think that um, generalization, like you're saying, which is is 100% accurate, comes from. It's like, oh, the the guy farmer. I I you know, my friend is a she's a rancher and she gets out there on her horseback and herds cattle out in Texas and don't mess with Alice Lee. She's one of the best artists too. She's an artist and she's like getting her master's degree and running cattle. And I mean, it's amazing. And that's what her family has been like through generations. This is generational. And um, I think it's just, it's getting those individual stories like we're talking about today with these ladies. I, I want to go to Roger because Roger's got some stories. Uh, he's gonna, I wanna know about the two women on the, on the sociability run. But let's let's talk about Miss Kimball um, from Shreveport. Tell us a little bit about her. Yeah, um, this is a story that has fascinated me for a while. I really haven't dug into it until recently. Um, I was made aware that one of the first directors of the Jefferson Highway Association uh, was uh, Miss Kimball, a woman, which was very very unusual. In fact, she was the first woman to ever hold a director position in a, a highway association in the history of the United States to the Jefferson Highway. So, you know, I, I tried to figure out more about her story. Uh, she was born in Texas, but uh, uh, she married a physician uh, that had a, uh, uh, was in Claiborne Parish, Louisiana. Uh, not too far away from Shreveport and a community called Homer. And uh, mm -hmm. it's during that time period, and it's, it's kind of interesting, all these ladies we're talking about here were within each other in age, maybe 10 or 15 years. And they all, and they all uh, uh, were at their prime, I would say, uh, of influence during the time Jefferson Highway was formed. So that's interesting. But what we... As she, as she, uh, she married, and at some point in time, this think about this time period, 1908. How many cars were on the road? It was not much, you know. But um, people were starting mm -hmm. to understand roads, starting to travel around uh, more on, you know, and they didn't have good good roads. Louisiana was said to have the worst roads in the United States at that time. It was said that only about 1% of its roads were really even drivable uh, at any point in time. Um, and her later talks indicate that the real reason she got involved in this uh, was because uh, she saw this as a the problem for schools, her children, uh, and, uh, and farmers and other families, you know, couldn't, uh, were so isolated and, and good roads became uh, something she was involved in. Uh, she got involved in an organization uh, that, um, I want to say it was a Congress of Mothers, Mothers Congress is what it was. And what, you know, I was, what's that? Well, eventually that became the PTA. Uh, eventually named and, and and she got this was in 1908 or 1909 long before uh, the Jefferson Highway at least five or six years before it was around and um, she she got appointed to be involved in that to go to uh, she her efforts were picked up by the governor at that time 
and uh, she was asked to go to a conference at Seattle, Washington in 1909. And uh, it all just seemed like it started there. And, uh, you know, I, I always find this interesting when I, when I do these, uh, when I study this woman, she's always known as Mrs. John L. Campbell. Or Ms., you know, everything you see, Kimball, everything you see in the paper, you know, very, very seldom do you see her real name is Ada. Uh, she's always called Mrs. Kimball or Mrs. John Kimball, uh, even in the headlines, you know, at that time period. But, um, you know, you look at him, he was, uh, he was an influential physician, general practitioner physician, he, but they moved their family to Shreveport. Um, and supposedly part of the reason was they just, they were isolated where they were and they, and she wanted better education for her children. And then they just, uh, the stories just keep coming about her being involved in Good Roads movements and becoming a figure in this. And it's just, uh, the stories uh, are fascinating. You know, 1910, she was in a national Good, Good Roads magazine for her work in Louisiana. Um, you know, that's very unusual um, at that point in time for a woman to be in the Good Roads uh, magazine at the end of that early time especially and um, she just kept building along and then about 1915 when the Jefferson Highway was looking for its routing through Louisiana and into you know the, the, the convention in New Orleans she got involved and not only did she get involved but she came became the primary leader at that time uh, in Louisiana and uh, uh, she was asked to be a director, uh, and uh, uh, in 1916, um, she came to the first con convention of the Jefferson Highway, which was in my hometown of Muskogee, Oklahoma, at a building I used to work in, the Seavers uh, Hotel building, and um, um, there, uh, she was uh, kind of almost like a celebrity at that time. Mm. When she came into the room, she had to give a 10 minute speech on Louisiana's roads. And they said that she get, at the 10 minute barrier, they just said by acclamation, her story that she was telling them about the reasons she wanted good roads was so great that they were gonna give her more. And actually when she walked into the banquet room, they gave her a standing ovation um and wow. uh and uh, to the group here um she went back from this she worked for, not only in louisiana she was very influential in texas i found out she would drive over into texas talk to these uh, a lot of these, these women groups we're talking about and she would uh tell them about the things they needed to do they needed to beautify the highway and they needed to plant this and there was plans to do um, uh, to plant uh, Alberta peaches along the highway to trees. She had all these, uh, you know, things that she was wanting to do. And, not, and she was promoting the first, the, the uh, Shreveport had a, a fair and uh, she uh, did a Jefferson Highway Day at the fair. And it was a huge event because it was the same time that one of the sociability runs was coming through in the premiere of uh, Manitoba. Norris was on in this, and uh, 
she became the, like the main speaker at this program. And, uh, and uh, they did a special deal where they had, when he came there, they, the, I don't know if it's her idea or someone else's, but they did. There's, we kind of talked about this in the past. Mm. There's two red rivers on the Jefferson Highway. There's one right. up near Winnipeg and one near where she is. So they somehow they had a sample of the water in the North Red River and they did one from the South and they combined them in a goblet and they put them together and drank from them. You know? <laughs> so um, I don't know if they want to do that now. <laughs> no, I don't know if they want to do that now. But it, it's she she went on and on and then her her husband was killed in an actually in an automobile accident oh. in 1921. He actually was he was he had a heart attack while he was driving. But oh. she she lived a, a very influential life in Shreveport, um, and uh, she and even at, at her older age in 1950, she was named uh, the Optimist Club gave her a very high honor, and then uh, she died at the age of 94 uh, years old. And uh, I it's the story she could have told us um, um, as I was thinking deriving all this i'm just thinking man so much she touched so many people and uh uh it would have been really great to sit down and really talk with her uh yeah and she was really sought out i, I read a story where somebody was trying to uh they were writing a journal of their travel through there and they said that uh, she was a busy lady but they drove through texas and, and they could see some of the things she did in texas when they got to shreveport they had to look her up and uh, she was busy, but when she heard they were there about the Jefferson Highway, she stopped what all they were doing and she wanted to talk with them, you know. So um, oh. she, uh, she has to be one of the, you know, there's a lot of pioneers of, of the history of the highway, but she has to be one of the ones that we, uh, we preserve her history more. And uh, that's one of my goals. Well, when we get to Louisiana, we got to go do it. And, and you know, I know that, yeah, there's going to be stuff on the future with that. So, so are these the women that drank the water? I mean, was this part of the two women that went on that sociability run? That no, that's a, that's a totally different story. I was going to say the women, the women with the, <laughs> with the red river, I was going to say, that's kind of like, that's, um, you know, like blood sisters, you know, teenagers, we used to like, you know, I'll do that. Like, okay, well, we'll be friends for life. I think, we, like, you know, this is a, a good point is the fact that, you know, some of the con things that Pat said uh, earlier about we think the women did certain things and, you know, the sociability runs were to get a little bit of understanding what they were. They were, they were a marketing attempt. Um, you know, there was not TV. There was not a lot of ways to advertise the highway. So they promoted it by driving. it. So they would have these uh, political figures, uh, obviously, mostly men driving in the premier manitoba might come to your community and he'd give a speech and it was a huge deal and they would plan and wait for these people to uh, to come to their town and in uh 19 they had several ones i would call the nash really big ones and uh, some of them were more local but in 1919 they had one of the biggest ever and uh they it was actually, uh, they did a double run. So they went all the way from Winnipeg to New Orleans, picked up the mayor and the governor in Louisiana, and, uh, and they uh, drove from New Orleans. And, uh, you know, one of the stories that I, I 
was doing some research for a community uh, not too far away from me, Ufala, Oklahoma. And I, I ran across the story there about these two ladies from New Orleans. Her, their names was, her name was Belle Stanton and Mrs. Claire Knowlton. And they were both from New Orleans and they were planning to drive the whole Jefferson Highway together without the aid of any man or anything. They were, they were in a Buick uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, they were driving along. And I don't know, at some point in time, they must have got separated from the group. Um, heck, then we know that can happen. And, uh, you know, they were having a big reception in, in uh, Ufall, Oklahoma. Uh, the governor of Louisiana was talking. There was a formal meeting, and all you know. All of a sudden, they heard this commotion uh, coming in, and these ladies came surprisingly into the deal. I'm sure they probably thought they were lost or given up or something. Uh, and but they said uh, they had had a wreck and they had some repairs to their Buick in Denison, Texas, and then they were determined to make it all the way to Winnipeg. And uh, they arrived, uh, and, and uh, the guests were just kind of taken back to see these two ladies coming in prob, uh, and uh, make their uh, deal. So we're actually going to put up a historical marker in Eufaula, Oklahoma, uh, which will uh, tell that story. Oh, that's so exciting. Mm. That is so exciting. I want to go because um, go to um, Natchitoches. Louisiana. Um, thank you, Natchitoches, Louisiana, the Visitor Bureau, Arlene, and uh, who's on the board for sponsoring this show. And you can go to Natchitoches.com. They are on the Jefferson Highway in the Northwest section, but they're getting a marker, right? At the Northwest. I just saw that today, Roger. Yes. At the, yes. North, at the um, university because of this, it was where they car, people car camped, right? This was a tourist camp. So the highway, which became very popular around 1920, as more people were driving the highway, they couldn't, they couldn't afford uh, always to, to stay in some of the fancier hotels. Plus auto camping became like a craze and uh, people wanted to get out on these cars and drive. And uh, this was, you know, there, they would, these, there was a big business and doing camping supplies and tents and things that would go on your car and uh, and mm. they would they would drive into these tourist camps and uh, that's where it is in Natchitoches it's one of the camps we have many on the route today where they were uh, where they were including my hometown here in Muskogee we actually have the an uh, original tourist camp building still here in, in Muskogee so wow Mm. Wow. Okay. That. Okay. Well, we we have to. Do so, when, if you come by here, to, if you come in into Oklahoma, which I have heard you might be coming shortly, we'll, yes. we need to, we need to take you to the tourist camp. At that, Nancy and I live That's in tourist. Funny. Camps. That's so. You're talking funny. as we travel the country. That's so funny. We have we our have own no tourist idea. camps. It's our favorite thing on the planet. That this is so cool, and you know, I just I with Natchitoches, it cracks me up because, you know, I've been been there at the university, Nancy and I've been there and walked along the mm -hmm. river, Cane River. And you're thinking people drove there, camped there and there's alligators in the water back then. Now yeah. there's not really, you're not gonna, you're rarely seeing a gator well, in that lake. Be. But, you never know. Yeah, but, I mean, cause at that point it was more careful. red river. But you never, yeah, you never know. But I mean, I'm like, 
this is we'll so at our conference in Natchitoches in 2019. I get the, I get the great honor and privilege of giving a special award to a lady named Miss Sadie, mm-hmm. and she um, grew up um, in the 1920s as a little girl, knowing about the Jefferson Highway. Her family knew about it, and she was always fascinated by it. So she wrote a little booklet, and she gave me a, a, a wonderful copy of it that I still treasure. Uh, uh, and it included information about the tourist camp. And so mm-hmm. some of the information that is going in that sign and the location of it and all that has to do. Now, she passed away since the 2019 conference just recently, actually. And mm-hmm. uh, but uh, uh, I got to spend uh, an hour or so talking with her one day. And uh, uh, cool. um, she was uh, quite a lady. So. Oh, that's well, awesome. Yeah, and and so now I, I, I want to go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Can I put in a plug for the convention that's going to be in Mason City? Um, we are so thrilled that um, the Jefferson, you know, that that the highway, uh, the you know, the whole thing is happening, and um, Mason City is also home, uh, the childhood home of Meredith Wilson. And mm-hmm. there is a um, museum here um, dedicated to him. Um, cool. Our um, another Mason City native was uh, a man named Bill Baird, who was a famous puppeteer. Mm-hmm. Did the puppets for The Sound of Music, mm-hmm. and um, his puppets are on display at our our local museum. Um, we yes. have. Um, some wonderful historic architecture. Um, just, I think we're a great place to visit. Nearby is uh, Clear Lake, Iowa, which oh, is yeah. home to the surf ballroom. And I, my one claim to fame is that in 1959, as a sophomore in high school, I was the concert, the last concert of Buddy no. Holly, the Big Bopper. You were there? Richie Valen. You- Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Dude. Holy That's cow. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, the, the last we, we actually did a, a it wasn't on a Jefferson Highway show, but on our big daily blend Spotify show, which mm. is where we play music and talk about history. We 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 did uh we did air a short segment about uh Mason City and and mm-hmm. did an honor to the big bopper and Richie Valens. Yeah. Um, and of course, played American Pie and talked about Clear Lake and all of that. But I, I think you're the first person I've ever talked to that actually went to that. Yeah, concert. me either. That's and we are wow. actually going to the surf ballroom. Not actually, wow. we're going to do it. Go there on the care. We're doing a caravan. We talked about sociability runs. The Jefferson Highway Association is doing our own sociability run, recreating one of old in Iowa. So uh, on Monday before the conference, we are, uh, uh, that would be the fifth. We're leaving from the Moni, Iowa. Uh, we have, in the last few weeks, I've been really working hard to get all this organized, but we got some great stops, some great things going on. We've got some great communities involved with us now. Uh, and we're going to, our first uh, overnight will be in downtown Des Moines at the actual oh. deluxe hotel, which was mm. formerly the Des Moines Club. And in 1919, on this same trip I just told you about, 
Mm -hmm. uh, they had their banquet at the Des Moines Club in, uh, in, in downtown. So we got to stay in the same hotel, that building there. Wow. And uh, we're going to go driving up north. We're going through some communities like Nevada, which is also on the Lincoln Highway. And they're going to have a, they have a Lincoln Jefferson Park there. And we're going to do some things there. The crossroads of the highway at Lincoln and Jefferson is actually at Colo, Iowa. So we'll be at the famous Reed Island Corner. We're going an overnight in Iowa Falls. And then the next morning, we're going up north and we're going to go to Clear Lake. And, we're going to, and we have a, a scheduled appointment to tour the surf ballroom that afternoon and uh, likely go to the uh, crash site. Uh, those who want to go there. Wow. And uh, then we will head into Mason City. So, man, this is going to be uh, a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, it's for full information on that, just go to our website, jeffersonhighway.org. Uh, it's being updated there. And there's also a little registration deal. We just need like to know if you're coming and that helps us understand the planning. Yeah, everyone, that's June 7th through 10th. Uh, real quick, Pat, um, before we get going, Pat, having seen that concert, I mean, can you give us like a memory from that concert? I mean, it must have been devastating. I know when I go see really good bands, there's like an adrenaline you just you're like you're under this high of music you know an adrenaline rush you're just you know it's euphoric when you see some of your favorite bands perform and you know you can't sleep at night after that because you're all like and then to to find out that news you know the next day must have been devastating but what was that concert it, like for you well it was pretty full lots lots of kids there um usually we had teen dances on sunday night but they had the tour going on, and it was not a Sunday night. And um, so, yeah, our parents still, my parents still let me go and stay out till midnight. Um, it was interesting to see the movie because they had it set up like a con concert, but it was a dance. And there were probably a third of the dance floor was filled with um, uh, kids standing up, you know, um, clapping to the music and singing along. And the rest of the dance floor was being danced on. And, um, you know, we, um, we had a wonderful night. And my friend that I was with won a free record. And it was, it was, I remember the booths we were sitting in. Um, and the surf has a remarkable history. The original building was on the lakeside and burned down, but my parents met there. So there wouldn't be me if it weren't for the surf ballroom. And wow. it has been restored and um, it was rebuilt across the street and uh, it's been restored to what the second one looked like. And my parents went there, I went there. We, you know, we had um, all these teen dances there and then, um, Oh, who is playing tonight? Uh, an older group. I think Herman and the Hermits no are playing way. here tonight. Oh, no cool. way. Cool. Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely, got a lovely daughter. daughter. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It, it has quite a history here. But imagine the teenage girls at the high school the next morning. Hmm. We, wow. we were a soggy mess. I bet. That's what okay. I was saying. Like you go in this euphoric high and then 
it Boom. had to be like just yeah. tragic because I mean these were I mean Buddy Holly we're going to Lubbock next oh um, yes. Buddy Holly yeah. and we've been to his park and I just feel like that's kind of this thing about the Jefferson Highway the connections go off the highway right yeah. I mean the fact yeah. that we're going to be in Lubbock and you know we didn't get to go in the museum because when we first went to the park and the museum it was in the height of everything being closed in the pandemic um, but we do keep going to Lubbock so I, I'm gonna we're gonna be there for a month so I'm gonna make sure we go into the museum mm -hmm. um, because it's it does tie back to the Jefferson Highway and that's the whole point of this I mean when you travel on a road trip what happens on the road trip I know should stay on the road trip no that's 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 you know that can stay <laughs> with Vegas the reality is yeah. Road trips and, and sociability runs, however you want to call it, these memories and when people travel and go places and, and all of this, it, 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 it's like a catalyst of change and um, living. It is like this thing that happens and it connects with people around the world, which means the Jefferson Highway is not just stuck on that highway. It goes everywhere. I mean, Buddy Holly was there and, and that's where, you know, all of that, you know, so I just look at like, you know, towns we've been to, like Richie Valens, Hollister, California, they have him painted all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even the Richie Valens movie was made from a film producer who's on our show, by the way, a few years ago in San Juan Batista, up just next to Hollister in Central California, where Richie Valens lived. And um, really talked about, you know, they showed the Chicano side of music and what he was doing. So that's a connection back again to the Jefferson Highway all the way in California. It never ends. So again, my, it's all uh, about those rabbit holes, <laughs> you know? My favorite song at the time was Chantilly Lace by the Big Bopper. Oh, um, we did, Chantilly Lace. We did play that. We did play it. And I'm going to play it on the show when on our big cool. daily blend for you now. I'm going to have to play Chantilly mm. Lace for you. Yeah, I'd love okay, it. Okay, so um, oh, I, I, oh. when we do our big daily blend, we always play music of what's been going on. So we'll play Chantilly mm. Lace. It's only on Spotify for those, so you can listen to it. Um, Roger, because you talked about Sadie, I think we're going to have to play Sexy Sadie by the Beatles. I don't know yeah. how Sadie may <laughs> feel about that, but I think we we, you know, come on, we can play that. And then we were going to talk about Carrie Underwood um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> Roger and Janita told me, you know, hey, she did kind of live, uh, you know, she was born in Muskogee, right? In a hospital in Muskogee and then mm -hmm. lived in. Okay. She lived on, she lived, she went to school in a Jefferson Highway town and she grew and she lived in a Jefferson Highway town, a small community called Napa, Oklahoma. And she lived in, See? went to school at Dakota High School. So Dakota, thank you for saying that because you know, yes. I, by the time I already couldn't pronounce it, Chuck it mm. So um, we're going to play that song on the show, on the other show. I ain't in Chuck it anymore. Chuck it I'm going to say Shakota. Shakota. See? Shakota. I can't do it. Shakota. The Lisa, only way Shia, I know how Hoda. to do, hey, listen, I can pronounce <laughs> Natchitoches, yeah, and because no. I went there, but that to go to the place, Shakota. One of Shakota. you, one of you mentioned, you know, the worldwide impact. We have had visitors to Frank Lloyd Wright's last standing hotel mm -hmm. from over fifty different countries, mm -hmm. and wow, every cool. year the Surf Ballroom has a tribute concert on that first weekend in February when the original happened. 
People come from mm. England and all over. I was in Japan, and I was talking with some young men. They wanted to know where I was from, and I said, well, you wouldn't recognize it. And they said, well, tell us anyway. I said, Clear Lake, Iowa. And one of the young men said, oh, Buddy Holly. Wow, how cool. How cool. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. cool. That's cool. Um, before we go, because we do have to run because we're, we're getting out of time here. Okay. I want to go back to Janita. Janita, um, so you do uh, walking tours, history tours in Muskogee. I want people to know, uh, you know, about that because, you know, you're on the Jefferson Highway and people need to know about it. Yes, I do um, walking tours. Um, including uh, the park where the tourist camp is and uh, the oh, neighborhood cool. where Alice Robertson's house is. And uh, I do a variety of them downtown uh, Muskogee. Uh, you can find that on Facebook. And uh, my uh, tours are called Oki Heritage Tours. Oh, cool. Cool. Awesome. And, and people can go to your website again, JanitaMullins.Weebly.com. Also for Pat, uh, Pat Schultz, her book, uh, you can go to writeonthepark.org, and that's right, W-R-I-G-H-T, writeonthepark.com, and, and, and go to, uh, you've got to go to Mason City, Iowa, so their website is visitmasoncityiowa.com, and also the Jefferson Highway Association to learn everything about the Jefferson Highway and become a member so you get their newsletter, so you get all the information and all these cool stories. Go to jeffersonhighway.org. And if you're in the tourism industry um, on the Jefferson Highway, definitely you want to be part of that. So jeffersonhighway.org is the website. Thank you to Natchitoches, Arlene over there in Natchitoches, Louisiana. And, and I'm going to spell it. And it's Natchitoches, not Natchitoches, which I would have said for years, like you know, Nancy. But mm -hmm. it's N-A-T-C-H-I-T-O-C-H-E-S. Uh, dot com. That's the website to learn about uh, Natchitoches, Louisiana. Go get a meat pie and really sink in. So if we talk about women's history, Natchitoches is ah, that is like a city of women's history. You got to go. You got to go. Uh, and thank you for joining us, everyone. Keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. Again, we do our Jefferson Highway shows every fourth Thursday with Roger. He always brings amazing guests like these two lovely ladies on the show today. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Janita. Super cool. Thank you, Roger. Thank you so much. You're most you. welcome. I've enjoyed it. Thank cool. you. Thank you, ladies. And thank you, Roger. You're welcome. Glad to be here. And we'll look forward to next time. Cool.